Whiskey Business is brought to you by the law offices of Saya and Pyatt and by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Transitions, moving from one thing to another, sometimes seamlessly and sometimes so awkwardly it's embarrassing to watch. We transition by going through puberty, from grade school to high school, from teenager to adult, and sometimes from what we are perceived to be to what and who we may want to be. It's all a process that sometimes falls naturally into place and sometimes takes some hard work and determination. From scotch drinker to bourbon drinker, yeah, easy. Forever employed to no longer employed? Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. I am your host, Dino Tripotis, and my producer extraordinaire, Greg Hansberry, who will continue to be my producer on Whiskey Business. But um, for those of you who listen in the Columbus, Ohio area, um, you may have remembered or noted that uh, for the past almost 24 years, I've been hosting a morning show at Sunny 95, and I've decided to uh, step away from that gig after 24 years because I am ready to transition, if you will, into some other things that uh, I don't seem to have the time to do because of the morning show, things that I want to do, things that I make excuses for because I'm tired or I don't have the time. So I'm taking away the excuses. But uh, my producer of the morning show is Greg Hansberry. So you, Hansberry, you, you're stuck with me. More time for whiskey business, baby. More time for whiskey business. Our, <laughs> our guest bottle is Colonel E.H. Taylor, a lovely small batch bourbon, 100 proof, bottled in bond, hard to find, and not all that expensive. We'll talk more about that later as I introduce our guest. He's been on the podcast before, but I asked about... I asked him to be a guest the first time around for his knowledge of film, and he does have a huge knowledge of film, but he is a man who could probably transition into just about anything, and that's when I, when, when I, when I said that Johnny DiLoretto was going to be our guest, I, I honestly had a variety of thoughts in mind as to what we would talk about. All I knew what we weren't going to talk about, not specifically anyway, maybe laterally we get into film and, and television just because that's how what happens when we talk <laughs> but when i started thinking about transitions being the potential theme for tonight who better <laughs> welcome welcome back to the podcast thank you thank you Dino. you you could probably identify with with the concept First of, of all, transitions i just love that you referred to me as a man because yes. i feel like a kid most of the time but you know i appreciate that but isn't that isn't that Kind of a. Can I drink this? Yet? You can. You can drink whenever you want, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you can drink whenever you want. Isn't that kind of a good thing, though? Wow. I mean, I hear a lot of people saying, "You know what? When are you going to grow up? Mm-hmm. When are you going to? When are you going to be an adult?" Well, I am an adult. I am an adult. I have a house. I pay bills. I pay taxes. I answer to all the responsibilities that I am supposed to answer to. Mm-hmm. So if I if I do some other things that appear 
uh, childish or or less than adult, so what? Right. So when you say, thanks for calling me a man, what do you mean by that? Well, I guess you, you, one of the things you told me that we were going to talk about our provenance, right, where we came from. Right. Steubenville, Steubenville I, Ohio. I, I, my dad was a Korean War Navy vet, and uh, he was a hard worker. He was, um, he was orphaned at the age of three. My dad's father died when he was three. And his mother lit out with some dude and put my dad's two sisters, my aunts, in an orphanage and um, fobbed him off on his uncle, and she disappeared. Uh, My dad was a guy who, you know, he was a firefighter, and uh, he was an insatiably, insatiable learner. He wanted to read. He read everything. And uh, when he wasn't fighting fires, he was plumbing, he was doing electric work, he was doing construction, he did everything. Like he, you know, and this thing that he said to me once that I never forgot, you know, your parents say things to you. Mm-hmm. Um, they say a lot of things, you know, I'm sure you know as a father. You never know what's going to stick. <laughs> One thing my father said to me was, I worked hard, I work hard. So that you don't have to, right? And uh, and I, you know, I've made a living talking on microphones, talking in front of cameras, getting in front of people, and and I just never felt like that was a manly thing to do. It wasn't like what my dad did. I always wanted to be like, I can't fix a car, I can't put drywall up, I don't know. You know, I love that line in Mr. Mom. Here we go with the movie. You know, the, the, the classic line. That would be me. 220, 221, whatever it takes. You know, so I equate that um, with being a man, and I feel like I've just been playing all this time. The part. That's interesting because, yeah, I get it. We we come from the Steel Valley yeah. where, where our parents and our grandparents, uh, for me it was my grandfather, 40... 40 plus years in the steel mill and yeah that becomes the the definition that we that we see as what a man should be and then i I get what you're saying so when we do these other artistic things yeah you know (laughs) that but i don't i disagree you have children yeah i do right yeah you're a good father i I think so okay you try right better Uh, we all could be better right you know we know no one's perfect at 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 that job per se your father wasn't perfect at that job absolutely not by any stretch of the imagination but he did the very best that he could yeah so you feel on any given day you're doing the very best that you can to raise your boys and raise them proper right Mm -hmm. well that's a man you know not a man is someone who wouldn't give two shits about his children True. and didn't give a damn as to how they were being raised or what they were learning or what they were doing. That, in my in my world, is not a man. A man who steps away from that responsibility, that's a coward. And that is that is not a man. You're a man. Thank you. You're a man. You're just a creative man. And let's be honest, there has to be different men. <laughs> that's true. We can't all be the same we need, man. We need a tapestry of men. <laughs> we need a tapestry I of guess, men. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get, let me let me correct myself. Maybe manly, manly. Oh no, not manly. Not You're manly. one of the most yes. feminine people I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm man, kidding. Like I accept it wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm part of the. You know, I like to think of myself as like 
Speaking of transitions, right? <laughs> like I'm that link in the chain, you know, like that's where you, there's all this trans stuff going on, you know, right. I'm part of that. I feel like I'm part of that. I'm a guy who like embraced his femininity, you know, and allowed all these other people to sort of feel free to transition into their feminine selves. Did you really embrace it or was it always just a party? Well, Let's I be hu- honest, it didn't know? hug back. <laughs> Uh, is your is your father still with us? No, no. he's not with us. Uh, both my parents are dead, mm-hmm. uh, so I can stay up as late as I want. Uh, <laughs> that is a, a a joke I've told many times. I'm yeah. very proud of it. Uh, no, I lost both my parents. Um, you know, probably within a couple of years each other of each other, and that was probably about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which one of them had probably? You know, whether we care to admit it or not, uh, so I think sometimes we're in a, in, a, in a state of denial saying that, you know, our parents didn't influence us. But our parents do. They influence us. Which, yeah. one, which one had more influence on you? Interesting. Good question. Um, I definitely, I mean, my mom was, forgive the cliche, my mom was a saint. <laughs> she was so patient and loving, um, so quiet, but not... A mouse. She was. She definitely had a personality, but she was just a uh, warm, nurturing, always there. You know. Um, <clears throat> however, I think that I got my curiosity from my dad for sure. Um, when I was a kid, you know, I, I actually wanted to be, believe it or not, marine biologist. I was going to ask you, growing up. What did you want to be? Yeah, I wanted to be a marine biologist or a zoologist. I was I was in love with animals, and specifically sharks. Thus, the marine biology. And uh, but every time I expressed an interest in anything, before I knew it, I had a book in my lap. My dad was an avid reader. Uh, can I come back? To, can I can yeah. I interrupt you there for a second? Sure. Because you mentioned that earlier. Why? Was he was he did he was he an avid reader? He said he had an insatiable desire to learn. Was it yeah. because he was deprived of it? I think so. I think, you know, Steubenville wasn't a hotbed of <laughs> matriculation. <laughs> um, Considering th- the fact that you would have to, oh, what's that mean? Right, uh, right, <laughs> Teddy. Right. Just, you know, My dad was, um, I think, born smart. You know, he was born curious, but he didn't have any opportunities. Um, he had a chance to go to college after uh, when he was out of the Marine or mm-hmm. the Navy rather. And I think the story I heard, I'd have to verify this with one of my sisters. but the story I heard was my dad went to college for like a week and he just felt out of place. Interesting. You know, he felt like this wasn't for him, that he couldn't do it, that he wasn't up to it. It just was it didn't jive with who he felt he was and he quit now my dad uh his nickname in Steubenville when I was growing up his nickname was Woodsy my original name is John Woods the the Irish part so all his buddies called him Woodsy Uh, but there was a select group of his friends that called him Professor or fess. Oh, that's kind of cool. And because he knew all this stuff, like my dad, you know, at the at these bars would always be, you know, pontificating about one thing or the next. Because he was always reading, I think he found comfort in learning. But, 
but in his own way and without anybody grading him or telling him he was doing it wrong. So he definitely learned. And I didn't see that. <clears throat> I didn't see it when I was growing up. I only see it now when I have to, you know, I'm on the way to work and this weird thought pops into my head about right. what is this thing? And I Google it, you know, and I, I like need to know what it is now. And I got that from my dad. You Google it. You don't have your dad's old encyclopedias to look <laughs> <You> know, it up. <laughs> unfortunately, I don't. But, you know, that's funny. My dad did have a set. Of I bet he did. I have no doubt. Among other things. And I often would just go to my dad built the first man cave before there was such a term. OK. Uh, what was in it? It was. Let me describe. Let me paint this picture. Oh, for please, you. please do. So we had this unfinished basement, but my dad finished it. OK. At least part of it. And part of it was this glorious little enclave. Uh, he had a full bar in it. He had sofas, lamps. He had red lighting going all around the perimeter of the room. Uh, he had a TV and a lounge chair in the middle of it. And uh, he spent a lot of time in there, oftentimes watching not only football games, um, but masterpiece theater. In fact, I remember going into my dad's man cave, uh, and he was watching Masterpiece Theater, and I remember seeing this woman on the screen. And you know those old PBS shows from the 70s? Sure. They were shot on video, right. so they were like kind mm -hmm. of stark yeah. and harshly lit and weird. Mm -hmm. And I remember this was PBS, and this woman is in this diaphanous gown, and she's nude under it. And I see this dark black bush <laughs> through this thing. And I and all I could think was like I was stunned, you know, and he was like, What do you want? Come on, let's watch watching Masterpiece Theater. And I was looking at it, I was just like, Wait, what what channel is this? You know? And he's like, This is this is PBS. This, I thought, this is a this, P stand wait, for poor? This is, this is the same station I watched Sesame right. Street on. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, he just was always groping for more. And I got that from him for sure. Well, do you think he? Do you think he was ever satisfied mm -mm. with 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 what he knew? No, I know he wasn't satisfied. You think he always felt inferior? On I think some he was level? always. I think he always felt like he had missed out on all the experiences life had to offer. Um, my dad, after thirty-eight years of marriage with my mom, had an affair. He was having the affair for seven years, so he bailed at. 38 years of marriage. I was 17 years old at the time. It was kind of devastating for me. I didn't speak to my father for 10 years. Because of that. Because of that. Um, and now, you know, and I was, in, I was in the hospital room with him alone the night before he died. How did he die? Um, complications, diabetes. You know, he was a drinker. Um, I, I actually... Uh, I was doing the morning show for Channel 6 mm -hmm. 28, the day that he died and, and, and drove back. So I remember that very distinctly. I didn't get to talk to him before he died. Um, he was unresponsive. But I did tell him, you know, I said to him, I forgive you, I love you, you can go, whatever. Whatever you say to your dad as he's dying. Um, but I do think that that whole experience, now that I look back on it, uh, 
came out of his wanting more, his groping for that, you know, worldly thing that I know that he was capable of. He just didn't have the confidence, you know. And had my dad gotten an education, had he gotten a job that he was, you know, that required more of his mental faculties, um, it might have been a different story, but it wasn't. Did he ever get a chance to explain to you why he had the affair? No, he never did. In fact, so I was uh, in counseling at the time. This uh, therapist told me, and I, I forget, I was probably 25 at the time, um, twenty maybe 25, 26, and she said, you got like you clearly, you clearly have unresolved issues about this. You need to talk to your father about mm-hmm. this. You need to just confront it and just tell him how you feel. Even. Um, and I remember calling him on the phone, and uh, and talking to him about this. And he, my dad was always—I will say this—he was always open to me. He wanted the relationship. You know, he so that was wanted, your choice. Yeah, for sure. He he would like at the drop of a hat meet me somewhere. You know, he wanted to have this relationship. And I called him and I asked him, you know, and I'm I was probably very emotional, I'm sure, and I said, uh, you know, you did this thing to us, you lied to us, you betrayed us and I won't get into the it was pretty it was not a pretty situation and I said are you I just want to hear that you're sorry that you're sorry that what you did hurt all of us or hurt my mom or hurt me like in such a way that I wouldn't talk to you for this long I just want to hear that you're sorry he never said he was sorry maybe he wasn't maybe he wasn't I, I, I'll never know that but um, do you ever feel <clears throat> I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the funny. Okay. We'll get to the funny. That's what I love about this podcast. It's not so much about <clears throat> whiskey as it is one with whiskey because we go down avenues yeah. that we didn't I just want to be honest down. for you. I, I, I appreciate you being honest, but did you ever feel, because I'm listening to you and um, you say your father wanted the relationship. You didn't. Do you ever feel like a dick for not wanting it? Because I was in a situation where I had a father who, if he was being honest and truthful, probably didn't give a shit about the relationship. And, you know, it'd be like, uh, you you want to come to Greece and have a relationship with me? Okay. You made the effort to come to Greece. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll show up, you know, as opposed to, and, and, and I went through the same issues, if you will unresolved issues where I went almost uh, 20 years without talking to my father and and seeing my father from like 14 to almost 34, you know, for a lot of the same reasons. You know, my parents divorced and he wanted nothing to do with us. My mother came back to Steubenville, which is where we settled in at. My father chose to stay in Greece and live his life. No child support. He didn't care. He didn't care. So did you ever feel... I kind of, as 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 you look back now, do you ever feel kind of dickish that you made the wrong move, that you didn't give him the chance to <clears throat> to have that relationship, or are you okay with it, based on 
how you felt at the time. And because obviously, in some way, were you maybe standing up for mom? Oh, absolutely. But more than that, I have this outsized sense of morality. (laughs) I have this, you know, which I probably got from watching too many movies, quite frankly. Uh, So, no, I think I was dead right. Okay. Uh, I don't feel bad. I do not feel bad about it. Um, You know, here's the twist in the story is that I left my wife for another woman Mm -hmm. and um, betrayed my family, you know. Sins Uh, of the father. Sins of the father. (laughs) Another movie, too, isn't it? And so what I learned from that uh, was I was... As honest as I could be, as fast as I could be. So, in other words, I didn't carry on. I didn't carry on a big charade. Um, as this was all hitting me, that I was in love with someone else. Uh, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't make the same mistakes my father did. What were the mistakes that he made? As well, he to lied for seven years. He lied for seven years. He, he, he fucked my sister's friend okay. and brought her into the house. His, this, the mistress called my father dad and my mom mom in our house. She was in our house. She opened okay, well, Christmas you, presents you, you, with us. You left that part out. Yeah, well, as to who I know the woman was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't. That gonna, adds a whole I, nother level right, of drama. Right. Exactly. This. Yeah. No, I wasn't gonna go. I wasn't gonna, <laughs> you know, articulate that. But that's it becomes relevant when when I made a similar mistake. Right. Right. So uh, the person I fell in love with, who I am still in love with. Um, was a friend of the family. Uh, she was my friend, really, but, you know, she was in our house. But when it happened, I felt the need to say it very quickly. I mm-hmm. felt the need to say, look, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And um, it was hard, man. Talk about I, transitions. I remember I, when you were you going through it. That, yeah, right? we, we talked. We spent many, mm-hmm. we did. many evenings on the phone. I thank you for that. I thank you for being there for me. Um, I oftentimes went through whole bottles of bourbon by myself within the span of a day to get through that. Uh, It was hard, man. That was the absolute hardest thing I've ever done was make that transition. The one thing that I did at the time, my youngest was going on he was just turning three at that time and um man that was awful i hate even thinking about it really uh my oldest was 11 10 11 he was in he was still in grade school and uh you know everything was up in the air was i gonna see him what, mm-hmm. were, what, what, was I going to be able to have any time with them? or have, Like, I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what my rights were as a father. Was that, did that strike fear into your heart? Fuck yes, it yeah. struck fear into me. Yeah. And what I did was I showed up every morning. First of all, I called him. He wouldn't talk to me for a while, the oldest one. 
just like me. Yeah, I right. was going to say. Did that, but you know what I did? What did you do? Differently, I called and I called and I called. And As I opposed called. to your father. Right. And I started showing up every morning at school, in the schoolyard. The principal at his school from Steubenville, a good dude. So I didn't look like a creep. Like, I made sure he knew what I was there for, you right. know? He allowed me to hang out on the playground every morning until uh, my son arrived. And I just made sure that he knew. I'm here. I just want to tell you I love you. Have a good day. Blah, blah, blah. I'm here. And I did that every day. And now we're great, you know? I'm sorry. I'm getting a little emotional. No. And I haven't even drunk that whole glass of water. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you, you don't have to. But the point is, <clears throat> is that when you make a mistake, and it wasn't a mistake, obviously. It wasn't a mistake. What I'm saying is it, that, that is a hard thing to do, how, how you transition from something like that, right? I was married for 12 years. How do you, how do you make that transition? And the one thing you do, and it's interesting. When will this air, by the way? Before Father's Day? No. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna hope so. Father's Day is close mm-hmm. at the time of this recording. Um, as a father, I mean, you know, we we never get as much credit as the mother, nor should we, because we don't push the kid out from this narrow opening in our <laughs> crotch. You need to, you just need to come at them. You come at them. Mm-hmm. And I kept coming at him. The little one, not, I, you know, I do that now. Sure. I call every day. Sure. I, we have them week on, week off. Right. I call every day. No matter how annoyed he is with me, disrupting whatever he, it is he's doing, whatever Doesn't. fucking YouTube video he's watching. I interrupted. <laughs> you know? um, that's the responsibility of a father. You know? I agree. I totally agree. And while he may find it disruptive and annoying right now, when he gets to be your age and has children of his own, he's probably going to remember that, you know, my dad was there every day. He called me. He's going to remember this. Yeah. He's going to remember it when he gets older, just like you remember the things that that you did yeah yeah he's gonna remember that so one of the things i'll just say we're real quick one of the things i'm most proud of recently was my youngest uh came home from preschool one day and it said something like they had a, a little assignment in school like what do you love about your dad or whatever and he had written <laughs> when i come home my dad goes crazy for me. Okay, let me go back to uh, a job that you mentioned, marine biologist. Did you ever even try to pursue it? No. No. Did you go to college? Uh, yeah, I went to college. Did you finish college? I did finish college, remarkably. It took me a very long time. Yeah? So what did you study in college? English. Why didn't you study marine biology? Uh, at that point, I just had become like a creative person. You know, uh-huh. I was. Could uh, you have been the most creative marine biologist ever? <laughs> <laughs> I could have been. No, I guess what happened was along the way, you know, in Steubenville, 
You got to know this. <laughs> not a lot of marine it's biology. To, yeah, there's not a whole lot. There, <laughs> a lot of big catfish time, in the river. Right. At that time, there wasn't, you know, we do now, like you see what your kids' strength are, strengths are. You like put them in camps and, you know, all, like acting camp or writing camp or mm-hmm. farming camp or blah, blah, whatever. I didn't have that shit. No one put me in a camp. I actually did go to a summer camp once and didn't defecate for a week. <laughs> but uh, there was no nurturing. The, the most nurturing that I got was my dad giving me books about the things I was interested in. Right. Um, but, you know, I was always kind of the class clown. I always got a lot of attention for being funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely played that up a lot. And... You went with your strengths. Yeah. I went with my strengths. And when I was a teenager, video cameras had come into vogue. And somehow I had gotten my hands on one. Mm -hmm. And my friends and I were always making these ridiculous videos. And, uh, you know, even now when you think about it, I mean, they were really the precursor to the YouTube stuff that's on there. We were like... We would go to like the you know marine recruitment office and like try to recreate a scene from Stripes, but for real. Uh, we did that. Like uh, a buddy of mine enlisted. We took a video camera and fucked with the recruitment guys. Crazy, create like I can't even imagine doing anything like that now. Do you still have those? No, I don't. Where are they? I don't know. They're on a VHS somewhere. You've got to find those. I know. It was pretty amazing. We were pretty ballsy kids. Um, But by that point, I realized, and when I was 16, I figured out that I loved movies. That's what it was. You do love movies. I mean, I love movies too, but uh, if if I love movies, you love yeah. and adore yeah. movies. You say, you know, you, you, you earlier you mentioned this strong sense of morality that you developed, and you said it, it may have come from the movies that I watched. I'm sure that it did. You know, what mo- What movies did you watch that that struck that chord of morality that, you know, that made well, you kind of think the way you think? I like to say that I was pretty much forged <laughs> my person was forged my interior rather um my moral compass was forged by dirty harry and mr (laughs) smith goes to washington those two movies i'd like to see those i'd like to see them uh, bring those two together yeah dirty harry goes to washington so (laughs) (laughs) that would be great right and that's a weird thing to say now because dirty harry probably seems like this right wing Mm -hmm. kind of gun loving you know, nut. But uh, in my eyes, that's not the case. In my eyes, it's it's a different story. Um, but you know, I I love that idea of like let's cut the shit. You know, this person is a bad asshole. Like this person is evil. Let's fucking deal with it now. Get rid of evil. Or let's do it now, right? Let's not go through some bullshit process let's do it Mm -hmm. you know he's bad we don't have to talk about it let's do it i like that mr smith goes to washington is a little more complicated because there's a naivete that is dismantled slowly 
Um, and uh, but the the passion that is there, mm-hmm. um, the will to good, the will to um, give. You know, and the, the other thing I've been thinking a lot about lately, and there's a movie coming out right now. I've been thinking a lot about Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. There's a documentary that's out right now. Yeah. And Tom Hanks is going to play him in the upcoming film. Oh, there's a movie? There's a movie oh my God. coming out. I don't want there to be a movie. Oh, there's going to be a Tom movie. Hanks to Tom Hanks is playing it. <laughs> Tom Hanks has to play it. That's the law. So, <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I was a basket case. I had some uh, anxiety problems. Really? Yeah. I was. I, I have been in therapy since I was seven years old. Gave myself an ulcer from worrying at seven. Mr. Rogers was this voice of calm. I don't even I didn't even realize it until I started thinking about it now when people are talking about him in light in light of this documentary. Mr. Rogers was this voice of calm. I was mesmerized by him. I was too. As an adult, mesmerized by Mr. Rogers. There were times where I would come home this is when I was, especially when I was a comedian on yeah. the road mm-hmm. and uh, feeling very displaced, you know, on a different city every week, 40 yeah. weeks on the road. And there were times when I was on the road and I'd come back to the condo where I was staying and I'd channel surf. And if I, if Mr. Rogers was on, you're right. He was like, he, he was like a, a sedative yeah, in a sense of the word, as far as how he talked and what he talked about and how he put it into such simple make sense terms yeah for me anyway and you know what i really love about it is that it's secular mhm his message of loving everyone and his message of kindness and don't you think part of it was the sincerity? I mean, oh, that wasn't an absolutely. act. That wasn't a character. I mean, and you don't know that until you start reading about it, right. or that was the real hearing guy. accounts of it. He was genuinely that human being. He lived that life. I, look, I got Mister Rogers banked down inside me somewhere, but I got Robert De Niro pushing him down, <laughs> holding his head in the fucking pool like in the toilet <laughs> that's my problem man that's, I, is it a problem if you it know is a it? problem it is if a problem you know it, if you I know do, it is it a problem you identify the problem that's the first step to curing yeah, a problem listen that's listen there's no going back to movies there's a <laughs> you remember as good as it gets yes you okay nicholson is all kinds of messed up right. in that movie right and uh he's he he he's having a, a little breakdown, and he calls Greg Kinnear's character, mm-hmm. and he says something. I don't know what he says. I don't. Know. It's something like, "Just listen, sit down, take some whatever it is." I don't remember. But Nicholson says, "Are you serious? You got to do better than that. Mm-hmm. You got to come up with something better than that. I'm smarter than that, right? That's my whole. That's been my whole approach to therapy." through my entire adult life. So you're saying when they you're, the answers that they give you or the solutions or the process that they want you to take you're like you, I'm not an idiot. You got to do better than you that. You got to do better you, than what that. What else you got? Right. What like you're not going to get me with the same <laughs> thing that you get Joe Blow 
off. You know what I mean? I'm not a first timer. Yeah, I've been in here since I was seven, lady. I'm not going to play Chinese checkers and like all of a sudden I'm cured. You got to come up with something better, something smarter. So, <laughs> you know, that's my take on it. But I am aware of the situation. I am aware of it. I have huge anger and rage issues. And, but but the deepest part of me wants to be Mr. Rogers. I want to do that. I've thought about that. I've thought about, like, I want to be the – I would love to be Mr. Rogers to Columbus. I would love to create that show. Yeah. But – That's not going to happen. Never going to happen. That's not going to happen. I, and I, I can't do it. And, and, I, I don't believe it. No. No. Yeah, why do you say that? Why do you say I can't do it? I, well, I don't know. Maybe the last why four minutes gonna... of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, because I, I'm slugging down <laughs> Colonel E.H. Taylor Smallbatch. <laughs> no. Bonded. No, no, because you're being very honest about how you are. <clears throat> now, I believe that you would want to create a show like that. I believe with all your heart and soul you would love to create a show like that but i also think you're honest enough with yourself to know you're not the guy that you're not yeah. the guy to front it not that guy when i first met you we both knew we were from steubenville mm -hmm. there's a little bit of age difference between us but this is when when we first met uh we not did much of an age difference no more of an age difference between you and me than me and my fiance <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Yeah. Not the same. Okay, but, not the same. But I get your point. Yeah. But when we first met, we did a we did a, a piece on television together. Yeah. You were at that point. You were working for Channel Six, I believe. Mm -hmm. We were on the steps of some pizza place that had the recipe, supposedly, of the old DiCarlo's pizza. That was right. the first time that we actually sat down, and 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 broke pizza together. Yeah. And we've been friends ever since. Yep. Um, you love that gig. You seem to love that gig. Did you? <clears throat> I did. And you left uh, it. Real quick, you know, that gig was, there was a transition involved. Mm -hmm. um, when I started that that job, I was, I, I, I wheedled my way into that job through movie criticism. I made guest appearances on the morning show, the noon show, the Sounds early evening show. Very familiar. Yeah. That's how I weaseled my way into radio. Is that right? Yeah. I was a guest as a comedian yeah. on a radio show. And boom. so I did that, parlayed it into a full time entertainment reporter job. And at the outset, and I just want to be very clear because you know how douchey radio or me any media mm -hmm. sort of director, whatever they're called can be they're douchebags they're corporate assholes um when i was hired i was hired by these two guys dan fabrizio and david silverstein uh who literally told me when they hired me i said what do you want me to do because all i did at that point was movie reviews now i got to do something every day i said what do you want me to do they said whatever you want whatever you want we want Just, Johnny. We want you to be you. We want Johnny to be Johnny. I at that time, <laughs> I was like, oh, great, okay, blah 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 blah. blah. You know, like, I didn't know what that meant. Now I look back and I think, oh my god, can you imagine? That's like the director's cut, right? right? That's the director's cut. You do what you want. Do what you want, and we'll just sign off on it. And I ran wild with that. 
I did all kinds of crazy you shit. You did great stuff with it. Thank you. Yeah, I did all, like stuff that they're not doing now anymore. No. Um, they're not. Now, I was partially influenced by... Uh, that's the other thing. I'm influenced by both Howard Stern and Woody Allen. <laughs> so there's that dynamic at war within me. But I did what I wanted for a few years. And it was the greatest experience of my life. You're a happy man. Great, greatest professional experience I've, I'll ever have. And it showed. Yeah. You look like somebody who loved their work, which when somebody loves their job, it's apparent. It shows, yeah. in my opinion. So the thing is, I made the transition from the nighttime show, the 10 o'clock show on Fox, to the morning show. And different animal? Oh, completely different because when what I was doing at night was all me. It was movie reviews, celebrity interviews, restaurant reviews. I answered angry emails. <laughs> um, I turned it all it was all just a writing exercise. It was all just like, what am I going to talk about now? Mm -hmm. I like to think I was on the ground floor of that whole making fun of celebrities thing at right. that time. Because I would just like, I was hung, you know, they were hungry for content. And I was just like, okay. And I would just go through the news feeds and I would just pick out these celebrity stories. And I would just make, write jokes to each story. That was my piece at the outset. Then they said... Because actually, that 10 o'clock news show on Fox 28, which was like at the time really low rated nationally, Gabe Spiegel and Yolanda Harris and me and and Chris Bradley and uh, the all, all you know it's yeah. like you're rattling off stars right, and those two guys, Dan Fabrizio and David Silverstein. Giving me that, like, that, putting that show, like, letting me do whatever I wanted in that show, I think gave it something. We became the, like, top, one of the top three rated Fox affiliates in the country. Right. So at stars. That, right. So at that point, they said, hey, we want to try to see if we can do this with the morning show. Mm. So we want you to go live every morning from a different location from 7 to 9 a.m. And I, at that point, I was crestfallen. I thought, this is Columbus, man. Where do you think I'm going to go? What do you think I'm going to do? What can I find? And In your defense, outside looking in, you managed to do it. Mm. Let me say this about Columbus. From day one... I never lacked a location, right? a thing to cover, a person to talk to, an event to get into. Like, never happened. It was, I, it really, I was down on the city before I did that. Mm -hmm. I thought, this is a, a one-horse town. It's Cowtown. Cowtown. It's not. I thought there's nothing. There's nothing to do. There's, I thought my career was over. I thought this great thing that had happened to me had suddenly come to an abrupt end. Wasn't the case. Turns out, 
or all kinds of amazing things. The thing I learned about me was that it didn't have to be about me. Up until that point, it was always about me. It was always what I wanted to tell you, what I had to say about this movie or that, this food or that, this restaurant, blah, 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 this guy's a moron, etc. At that point, it turned completely. Like, I figured out that uh, this city has a lot going on. There's a lot of people doing interesting things, great things, some of them. And, um, you know, I'm proud. My The thing I'm most proud of from that stint was that all those relationships that I, I made, like people that I called up and said, can I come do a show from here? And they said, yeah, I still have those relationships. I still have them. Mm-hmm. I, and and now at my position at WCB, I'm still communicating with those people. What are you people. doing at, C, at WCB right now? I'm the community. I'm sorry, I've had too much whiskey. <laughs> community relations uh, director, mm-hmm. and um, and the underwriting director. So I seek support from area businesses, organizations, and people. How do you like that? I love it. I love it because. Um, there are no douchey news directors, <laughs> and there's no consultants that come in every six months, and they don't know jack shit. They don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, and they're trying to tell you. They're from how to do your job. Yeah, they they don't know this community. I've had, I've I've been on both can ends. Can I of pour that. some more of you this? You can do whatever you want. There is no there there is no limit. To oh, what we, what let's we do. get that. Uh, that's that's a beautiful. That's I, I've said it on, on numerous podcasts. That's one of my favorite sounds in the world. That and the sound of it pouring into a glass. Uh, I've been on both sides of that in yeah. my in my 24 years in radio. I've had uh, uh, wonderful. Believe it or not, I know you're not gonna like this because you you have obviously an opinion. But I've had amazing program directors and I've had bad ones. Yeah, I've had consultants that made me want to. Uh, put a gun to my head and just call it a day that right. because they they you know if I didn't agree with you I'm wrong I'm not allowed to have an opinion I've had those people and I've had some that have actually approached it from the right way and 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 actually nurtured you know whatever I was doing and actually did make it better so I've been on both sides of that of that yeah. street. Well, but you've been, right. you know, I and maybe you. it's because of the length of time. You were you were the first guest on my not so late show. <laughs> yeah, which is great. I Thank love that you. show. Uh, I think that was I don't remember what year it was. Almost it was two like, years ago, or maybe um, longer. I don't. Know. Yeah, it was almost. I, I don't know. remember. Whatever. You were the first guest on there, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I've always respected and admired about you, which I said that night was that you were able to navigate that world Mm -hmm. with these people coming in these direct program directors changing every few years consultants coming in who know nothing by the way (laughs) and (laughs) just some of them do not all of them, but I think some I, of them. I think I could do that job. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure I could do and that I'm job. And I'm sure that there'd probably be, if you were to come into a radio station yeah. as a consultant, 
there probably would be some some jocks yeah. that would hate you. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> who is this dirty, hairy Mr. Yeah. Rogers son of a bitch <laughs> who thinks he can tell me how to do my job? Perhaps. <laughs> but I've always admired that you were able to um, navigate that uh, so... Um, you know, you want to know why? With such class, I guess, and and such um, calm and flexibility, really, and resilience, because that's what it takes. Resilience is definitely a big part of it. I didn't have that, and I was also too young to understand it. You know, um, I miss what I did. I bet you do. I, I miss that. I was going to ask you, do you miss it? Because yeah. you were so good at it, and it seemed, again, outside looking in, and knowing you, it seemed to give you a lot of satisfaction and it joy. Did. I loved it. I miss, what I couldn't stand, which is what you were able to tolerate, was <laughs> the the new news directors, the new people yeah. telling me what to do. And remember the old um, lollipop commercial? Like, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Right. right? Three, right? Well, how many news director assholes <laughs> does it take for to end my career? Two. Two. Yeah. So that's what did it? Yeah, that's what did it. Two assholes, and I was done. And you walked. And I walked. And um, I regret it to a certain degree. That what do you I, regret? Uh, what I regret was that I wasn't just mature enough. You know, I was approaching it, I guess, like an artist. I didn't want anybody to tell me what to fucking say, what to fucking do. Or how to do it. Or how to do it. And certainly, don't tell me what's funny. Yeah. And that I... That was a trigger for me, trigger, which is a new, you know, in contemporary parlance, a trigger. That made me nuts mm -hmm. when somebody would tell me, who was clearly a sociopath, uh, <laughs> when you did this thing, <clears throat> that wasn't funny. Or, like, give me a break, man. So I couldn't handle it. I've admired your ability to withstand that. Well, part of the resilience you talk about was... Um yeah, and I experienced it in stand-up too. You know, I I I would I would like come off the stage from a, a show, and I'd have a uh, a club manager say, "Hey, uh, maybe you shouldn't do that one bit that you just did." And I didn't seem to get any laughs. You know, oh, excuse me. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing that bit. Right. Yeah. Well, don't I don't I don't think you should. I don't think it's funny. <clears throat> Once again, and also you know. Part of the resilience for me was, I, I, I think I, I let the love of the job surpass the bullshit whenever there was bullshit. I loved what I did. I loved being on the air. I loved, I let that carry the day more so than, than the bullshit, yeah. you know, so getting on the air and, and being on the air for 24 years. And I'm experiencing that now. Um, and I, I, I want to say this with, with uh, as much humility as possible. Uh, when I announced that I was leaving this week and saying that Friday would be my last show, there's been this outpouring of love and, and no, don't, that I, I was not expecting. Because in my head, Johnny, every day, I just thought of this as a job, a job that I love and I love to do. I, I never stopped to consider 
and, and you may you may say I'm bullshitting you, but I never stopped to consider that it had any impact on anybody's life on a daily basis. Well, over the come course on, of, man. over the course, I, I I don't I only I only of looked course, at it as, as as like I I was once again I I'm gonna sound like it's bullshit. I was like thank you, you know I've had this job for 24 years, and the joke I always used to make when somebody said I love your show. And we listen every we listen all the time. I would always say thank you for keeping me gainfully employed, <laughs> because you know without the listeners yeah. and without the ratings, you're gone. You know in, right. the, in this business. And and then talking about transitions, um, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, <sighs> just tell me. Forty eight. Forty eight. All right, and I'm fifty nine. Okay. And and I said this on the air uh, when I made the announcement. At fifty nine, I felt. Uh, you look 48, by thank the way. You, thank you. Thank you. And you look 38. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> do we feel better about ourselves? Yeah, I do. All yeah. Right. Okay, like, good. <laughs> you know, if anything, this this whole thing has come down to that. <laughs> if nothing else, we leave this podcast tonight with high self-esteem. Yes, yes. Um, but I, I, I felt, I honestly did. I felt at 59... Inherently, I felt that it would be a year of change. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I did not know what it would be. I certainly didn't think it was going to be leaving this great job after 24 years, but there is a need for change. There is a need to transition, if you will, into uh, some of these other things that I love so much but haven't been able to devote enough time to. Yeah. And I think before I die, and maybe that's part of it, Maybe you know. Maybe I feel like the clock is ticking on some level. That I feel I need to devote more, create more of that creative energy to those things. It may, it, well, may, it may wind up being a bust. It may, I may, I may wind up flat on my ass, broke, and and you know, and and not have anything look, to my name. If anything you can start selling these bottles of whiskey, <laughs> and you will be, you will be fine <laughs> until well into the late. 2000s I, I, I want to compliment you um, and it will sound weird at first but uh, I want to say that you are the human equivalent of Paul Newman's haircut <laughs> and yeah you're going to have to explain that yes I'm me. going to explain it we often look at <laughs> We look out at the world and we see nothing but change, right? Right, right. And we look to the people who are great and see what they've done and how they changed. The Beatles. Right. Blah, blah, blah. The mm -hmm. Stones, you know. Um, what has never changed in a career of greatness is Paul Newman's haircut. No matter what role he played, Hustler, HUD, Cool Hand Luke. His haircut never really changed. Not much, no, no. Uh, and we're talking about from the 50s <laughs> to the 90s. I gotta really. go back and look at all these movies yeah. and go, he was I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, changed. Ending with Nobody's Fool, which is a right. great film. It is. Great book, too. And I spent a lot of time thinking about Paul Newman's haircut. <laughs> I do. I think about it. I think, what balls it takes to say no no not gonna grow it out I'm not gonna do this I'm not gonna do a mullet in the 80s mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do a pompadour in the 50s 
I'm not going to do some shag-ass look in the 60s. To just write it out and be you Mm -hmm. and hold that which is close to you solid and push and push and be great all the fucking time. That's you, man. You're Paul Newman's fucking haircut. (laughs) Well said. And I love that about you. I love that about you. That might be in a very crazy way the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. So thank you. You're welcome. So thank you. And I think that uh, Columbus, not just Columbus Radio, but Columbus Media will be the poorer for you having retired. Well, you know... Who's to say that as we both transition because into other things that uh, we don't, you know, somehow go back into that stream that is the media on some level. But here's the thing. As we get older and wiser and, and I think better at what we do, just from doing it over and over and over again, maybe when we go into that stream once again, we get to do it on our terms a little bit more. Isn't that's really the end goal, man? Right. I mean, it's. I mean, no one's going to sit. If I want to sit here now and then over the next six months and and write, no one's going to tell me what to write. But isn't that the momentum? I mean, you know, we got these people coming in telling you what to say, what not to say, how to say it, how to say it, when to say it, when to say it, how long it should be, how long it should be. I mean, those people, anybody that has the balls (laughs) and they tell a creative person who has succeeded for any length of time in this business, whether it's stand up, radio, writing, theatrical performance whatever that that is a presumptuous asshole (laughs) they don't know anything about making people laugh making people happy making people entertained they they just don't you know but what i'm gonna ask you is we see this movement right like online youtube this Mm -hmm. whole crazy like my kid believe me i suffer through youtube videos like no one and and what i see is people that uh are doing stuff whether you like it or not a lot of it is crap i'll tell you what my kid my six-year-old has turned me on to stuff that i honestly enjoy that i think is genuinely funny okay i watch it nobody's telling them what to do what to say i mean we are in a world right now where you there are avenues to do that you know, and, and and get it out there for people to see. Yeah. So I I I guess I'm. What's your point? My point is like now. You have the freedom to do whatever True. you want. True. To say whatever you want. This podcast, for instance. Um. Yeah. One of the things that I do get to take with me. Um, yeah. From from the radio Great. station. This thing can be whatever you want it to be. It, you it can already, say whatever you want. I right. will say that much. It has been from the get-go. You. It has will, been from the get-go. Will, will all the swear words be Absolutely. bleeped out? Nothing. Nothing, Nothing. will be bleeped out. Nothing is Nothing, bleeped out. We've had swear words See, in previous podcasts. I love that. Nothing now, is, I got to tell you, that might get me in trouble because I'm WCBE's uh, community relations director. No, I don't director. think so. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't care about it. 
I hate that. You know what I mean? I hate that. The only thing we um, have on this show is what a, a little thing that we defined as podcast remorse. <laughs> where after we get done recording it, since yeah. we don't go out live, we you know we record this and 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 then drop it later. And Hansberry does a wonderful job of of editing the little down, the the spots that are down, and puts in the little uh, effects of ice dropping into a glass. I always ask my guests, is there anything that you said that maybe you wish you hadn't? And, 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 and no, seriously. <laughs> you do that? Yeah, I, I that's get, amazing. I, I would never ask anybody well, that. But, I, I, but that's great. That's I why you're great. I and I'm because, you know, not. There was one time where like, you know what? I said this about my, my family and my wife. And you know what? I was I was making a joke, but they might not think it's a joke. And I was sloshed yeah, out of my exactly, mind. You know? on, and we do. We drink whiskey. On the greatest and, bourbon in the world. <laughs> and sometimes it is a good bourbon, isn't it? This is really great. This man. is Colonel E. H. Taylor. It's, it's so great batch. that I'm, I'm taking my time with it. You have you only had one glass? Well, I've had three. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice you. That's how narcissistic I am, that I didn't notice you pouring yourself three glasses yeah. of or that. Or three glasses, and that's and, outrageous. Yeah. Drink Greg, did you notice? I did. I'm, I'm two, maybe thinking about a third splash. My God. Yeah. I'm out of my mind. I didn't no, see this bottle moving in front of me. It's because uh, it's because whiskey is so much a part of me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know what you think about some current movies out there. Uh, if I've seen them. If you've seen them. If I've seen them because I, uh, I've been very lax. Did you lax. see Avengers? I have not. You haven't. Have you seen Solo? I. You're going to hate me. Okay. You're going to hate me. I have not seen a Star Wars movie since the first one broke. You what know, do you mean the first one? When the first one came back, The the Force Awakens. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. You I saw that one. So I have, yeah, but I haven't seen one since. But not that many. Well, enough, you know. I mean. And enough offshoots. Rogue One, Solo. Greg, have you seen them? Last Jedi. Yeah, Solo, yeah. yeah Last Jedi, you know, okay. Rogue One, all, you know, so forth and so on. No. Um. Okay, and and, and and I, you're a talk, movie guy. Talk I mean, about, talk you're about, a movie. I, talk you about call pressure. Me. Yeah, I only went to see that one because I felt I had to. <laughs> Which one? The first one, Star Wars: oh, Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. I thought okay. I had to see it. I loved. Wait. I loved the first three. Those when I was in high school when those came out, and to me, that's the beginning and end of Star Wars. Yeah, I don't really right. give a shit about that's the right. rest of you're, past that. That's right. And that's what we're all we're, those movies those three movies were so great that story was so great we're still yeah perseverating over it now I know you're a movie fan I do you have movies. this incredible you call me a crazy movie guy but your DVD collection is unparalleled I've never seen anything like I, it I know I love my movies it's pretty amazing but but, but I finally let me ask you I'm gonna see more movies now I got time what <laughs> movies have changed you what movies have changed you what Ooh. movies like resonate deep within you my answers are gonna sound cliche I don't care because well, I because have those because they're cliche picks, I don't care but what are they um Probably the one that resonates the most with me because I have felt like this guy. I have felt I have been moments at where I was at the end of my rope and and did not know what would happen next. And if not for the love of friends and family, yeah, George Bailey. It's a wonderful. It's life. a wonderful life. The greatest movie ever made. I, I have I have and had more blueprint. George Bailey moments in my life than I care to count. A blueprint. 
for being a good human being, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. That's when I mentioned earlier that I was 16 when movie changed my life. Yeah, I was 16 when I saw It's a Wonderful Life for the first time, and uh, at that time, uh, it was played. You know the yeah, copyright. Awesome, yeah. The copyright had elapsed, so it was played all the time. All the time, and. Um, <laughs> I watched it, I stumbled upon it when I was 16, and I watched it maybe 10 times that year. I was so moved and uh, enamored of it, and it's kind of like I didn't see it. it ever until it was one of the summer movies at the Ohio Theater. Wow. 1984? Yeah. Uh, maybe 83, 84, where I saw it on the big screen for the first time. And, you know, I'd always heard about it, but I'd never seen it. And I watched that movie. And I was married at the time <clears throat> and had a what would have been a, a two-year-old at that particular point in time. And, yeah, that movie resonated. So I was like, oh, my God. I, even even at, at that point, I was like, what, 23, 24 years old. Yeah. Um, I... I was George Bailey. I was George Bailey because I was young, married, um, working two jobs that I hated, but I I had to provide for my family. I was not able at 23 or 24 to go on big adventures and do what I wanted to do at that point creatively. I felt like George Bailey. I also appreciated some of the unadulterated joy that was in that film. You know, just moments when when they're dancing at the at the school dance and the pool starts to open up and the, yeah. and they're like, "Hey, we're pretty good," you know, totally oblivious. Which people thought were was fake, but was a real actual pool, right? In Beverly Hills, yeah. It's a, it's, you know, it's a, the moments like that. It just yeah. To this day, that movie, uh, I, I watch it every year, and God damn it, I cry at the same spot every year. I it, it touches me at the same point every year, and I still at fifty nine. Have George Bailey moments. I cannot watch that movie anymore. I can't. Because? Because it just drills into me. Like, it drills into my core. Is like, that a bad thing? Uh, yeah, I mean... Because it makes you realize and it, face it, who yeah, you are, what you, know, you are, or where you're at? I, I don't know. I guess because actually, like, every, you know, like a great song... Mm-hmm. You know, when you first hear a great song, it doesn't really move you. When you hear a really great song, it doesn't move you. It piques your curiosity. You're like, what? What did I just hear? What was that? I got to hear that again. I got to listen right. to that again. Okay. Or a poem. Mm-hmm. You got to reread it. What was that? That's what <clears throat> It's a Wonderful Life was for me. I saw it and I cocked my head like a puppy. Like, what? <laughs> What is this? What are these globules blinking in the sky and the voice and the suffering and humor? What is this? What is this? And I sought it out again and again and again to get the rhythm of it, mm-hmm. you know? And once I locked into it, it was so powerful, so emotionally draining for me that I, I just can't. I know every second of it. I I have watched it close to a hundred times. Yeah. Um, 
I will literally cry at almost like uh, probably like every five minutes just because <laughs> just because I know, you know. what's coming next, yeah, how yeah. it all plays out. Like, don't you ever say like I'm not gonna cry, not gonna cry, I'm not, not gonna cry. No, gonna you cry. know I've stopped. I do that. I do that. I say I'm not gonna cry, and then, and then boom, tears. I've stopped watching it, and it's a thing uh, right. that it's that's really interesting to me because um, the Gateway Film Center. From which I was fired. <laughs> Plays it every year. Yeah. And I want to bring my kid to see it. Uh, and and I, and I struggle with it because I can't handle it if I show it to him and he just thinks it's a piece of shit or he thinks like it's corny. Can't he handle might, that. He might. He might. I he can't might. handle it the- because, like I said. I believe this seriously. If you, first of all, I hate people that watch an old movie and they laugh at the cost of a hamburger or, you know what I mean? Those like, sure, sure. Those, um, those chronological anomalies. Okay, yes, a hamburger costs 20 cents. Yes, all right, what is the you're, big deal? Yeah, you're missing the point. Yes. If you're focused on the cost of a hamburger, <laughs> the hamburger you're not, then you're an asshole. You're not involved. You don't care about humanity. Like, I can't do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't do it. I understand. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask you, yeah. and, and, and you're going to answer me and make a commitment on of this course. podcast yeah. right now. Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's June right now. Yeah. Uh, you and I have been friends for uh, a handful of years now. All right, right? Over a decade. Okay, over a decade. So here's what we're going to do. And we should have been friends since the start. <laughs> we should have been. Now, we can actually podcast it. It'll be the longest podcast ever with Hansbury. Or if we don't want to do it there, we can just, me and you, are going to sit on my couch and we're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life together. Oh, we'll podcast that. We're gonna, we're gonna watch it. It, it might be a, it might be a holiday two parter. <laughs> Cause it's a long movie. Yeah, it's a long movie. Two twelve, two twelve, two sixteen, whatever it takes. <laughs> but make that promise to me that that you will suspend. Yeah. That uh, moratorium you have on it's a wonderful life and watch it with me. I will. I will do that. All right. I will do that. Okay. We're gonna wrap it up. Uh, my guest has been Johnny DiLoretto, who is currently, tell us again, at WCBE. Community Relations Director at WCBE, underwriting guy, whatever you want to hear. Here in Columbus, you know, Ohio. We wear many hats at a public Columbus, radio Ohio, station. Uh, the Late Show with Johnny DiLoretto. At, every last Thursday. Every last Thursday over at, at the uh, at Shadowbox. Mm-hmm. In the, uh, in backstage the, Bistro. In the backstage Bistro. A lot of fun. Um, that is continuing to grow. You are the prosper. only person has been on that show twice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to do. Okay. <laughs> okay. What do you want? Three. You know, what do you want? No, no, I want what three. are you gunning for? I want three. I want three because I, the second time I was just getting over a cold. I was sweating <laughs> like oh my god. I was just getting over a cold. Uh, you. I was tough guy. I was not. I was so miserable. Even right then, I was still not feeling well. But I, 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 and I, I canceled tonight the Funny Bone to to, to do your show, as you oh, recall. Right, wow. right. Yeah. Thank you. I, they wanted me to host at the club that night, and I, he's like, oh, I, I promised Johnny, and I, it's it's a lot of fun. So if you you're living in Columbus, Ohio, or you're visiting Columbus, Ohio, and happen to be 
in town around that time. Check that out. That's a lot of fun. Uh, you've done a lot of good things with that show, and I know you're going to continue to do more. Thank you. You just need to take. You need to. You need. You need a team. You need. You. I do. Need a showrunner. I do need you, a showrunner. You need a showrunner. You need a showrunner. I can't just be me, man. No, you can't do it all. It's it, it, it's 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 taking away from the things you should be you should be focusing on. Once again, outside guy looking in. I don't mean to sound like a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's that's funny. That's funny. Cuz I've gotten notes from you about yeah. the show. Yeah, that were consultant like. They were consultant like. But I appreciate them all the same. But I yeah, but they but they they weren't criticisms. They were just no. things that I thought that would that would. I got you, man. Anything help. you have to say to me, I'm all ears. Brother. I'm thrilled that you came back. You will be back because I told you, and we'll wrap it up. But we were supposed to get back together to talk about one movie and one movie in particular. We were going to dissect the Godfather and its social and emotional impact on the both of us. We're still going to do that. I, I hope so, but we can really just get it all done right now because it, <laughs> no, we don't. it no, all because... comes down. Listen, all of what you just said comes down to one thing. Apollonia's tits. <laughs> all right. You know what? I've never ended the podcast on Apollonia's tits. And I think I'm going to do it for the first time this time. Um, Thank you, man. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank the you. bottle, the guest bottle has been Colonel E.H. Taylor's Small Batched Bourbon. It, uh, a wonderful straight Kentucky bourbon whiskey, 100 proof, and not that expensive. The hard part is finding it. How how expensive is it? 40 bucks. That's not bad. 40 bucks Where, a How do you find it? Um, I went to Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good answer. So thank you, Johnny DiLoretto. Thank you, Colonel. Thank you, Greg Hansberry. Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production. And uh, all the opinions stated tonight are are those of me, your host, and my sometimes and not uh, sometimes reluctant guests. Johnny, you've been awesome. You've been honest. And are never meant to offend, only to uh, enlighten, inform, and whenever possible, entertain. So, my friends... Until the next bottle, see you. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.